BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the latest episode of the Step Back Podcast here on Fanside. And you can find us on all of your podcast platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Also, make sure to check out our later in the week episode. We're now going twice a week. We got a couple episodes up from last week. We went through the NBA MVP candidates. We're actually going to get into one of them again today. I've got Brady Hawk with me. You can follow him at BradyHawk305. You can follow me, Ethan Skolnick, at Ethan J. Skolnick, and at 5 Reason Sports. And we're just going to focus specifically on the Philadelphia 76ers. And this is kind of a high-step episode because the Sixers are on fire. Um, they're on fire even when they don't have all of their key parts. This is a team that before the season, there was the question again of whether James Harden would get into proper shape, that Maxi had an injury. Would Embiid be able to stay healthy? Well, right now, the Sixers have won five straight. They've passed the Bucs into second place. They're now 30-16 and 16 on the season. They're four and a half behind the Celtics, so they've kept pace over the last five, even though, again, the Celtics have won nine straight, and they're now clear of the Nets and the Cavaliers as well. So I don't know that it's a huge surprise that the Sixers are playing well. I think it's a surprise that they've played well with some of the parts in and out. Brady, what is the single biggest thing that's working for them right now? Well, they've had Harden and Embiid on the floor as of late, and, and that's pretty helpful. Like when you look at just bare base numbers, Embiid's tied uh, for first in the NBA in points per game, and Harden is first in the NBA in assists per game. Like if we want to simplify it, it really is that simple when you watch this offense because it is basically just James Harden, Joel Embiid, pick and roll, and it's just basically money every time because Embiid is playing at such a high level. They just get him on that short roll type, and he's just able to have that pull up. Uh, and they're fourth in the NBA in three-point percentage. So you add in the fact that you're basically forced to kind of collapse on a guy like Embiid. Like, there's limited players in this league that you fully collapse on. He's one of them. And then you add in the fact that you're shooting that well from three, and a lot of their role players are kind of playing uh, at a decent level. I think Tobias Harris is a big conversation here because, obviously, he's been pretty efficient this season, which is kind of one of their biggest keys, I feel like, to push them to that next level. And then, obviously, I think one of the biggest things is they just made a different lineup change with Tyrese Maxey coming back and he's kind of being utilized off the bench. And it's funny because we often group that there, I know, you know where I'm going with this. There's the three players we group with in every conversation with these guys, it's Tyrese Maxey, Tyler hero and Jordan Poole, And they kind of got utilized in similar ways where Tyler hero. Now this year is bumped up to the starting lineup, but we know what happened last year when, when, or in previous years, when he was in the starting lineup, got bumped to the bench just because it made more sense around kind of the, the counterparts around the starting lineup. That's what you're basically seeing now. They're kind of figuring some things out, even though Maxi would obviously want to start. It makes the most sense for him because he's going to play a ton of minutes. He's going to close games. He's going to 
uh, not have to play in that in that first unit where it's just a ton of Harden and Embiid. Those guys are going to have the ball in their hands so much to start games just because that's their primary base. Then you have him coming off the bench and he can be that energy boost, the offensive boost, and he can have the ball in his hands and create a ton. So it makes a ton of sense. Uh, and like you said, they're just clicking on all ends. Like It doesn't seem like there's one thing that sticks out among others. I think the one number that stuck out to me when I continue on that Embiid and Harden thing, they have 120 offensive rating when they're on the floor together. Like they're, it's just an elite offense when those two are on the floor. And it's funny as well, and you look at other numbers, like they're a number three offense in January, number 20 defense, which is funny. It's not because they're a bad defensive unit. They were, I think, fourth in, in defensive rating in December. It's just kind of a little bit of a drop-off, but it's credit to, to them being healthy and it's credit to their offense just absolutely clicking. A lot of this, we got to talk a little bit about Doc Rivers because I, I know that there have been criticisms of him for the playoff failings. There was some talk before the season about him possibly getting fired. I believe that this uh, recent run probably rules all of that out, at least for now, until we see what happens in the postseason. But he's obviously made some things work. We know that Doc can make some things work in the regular season. It has never felt like the Embiid-Harden uh, partnership off the court looks that great. I don't know that it's as bad as the Embiid-Simmons partnership off the court or on the court was. But they do fit better on the court. You're correct about that. I, I do want to get into some of the bench parts, though, because I, I think I think it's interesting when we talk about how they were able to sustain, kind of stay above water a little bit until some of these pieces got back. Um, Rivers has talked about going with different starting lineups uh, with Maxi back. W- what do you think is their best starting group? That's interesting. I feel like it has to be the Maxi off the bench, obviously, I think makes a ton of sense right now. I think you do Harden and Bede. Tobias Harris, probably P.J. Tucker, and then you kind of fill in that that point guard position with either Milton or Melton, uh, which everyone's kind of clicky at the time, and I know they're going in different directions right now. Uh, but that makes the most sense. Both of them are – and both of those point guards are actually playing pretty well this season. They're both – and speaking of that three-point percentage, they're big parts of it, 39% apiece. And Melton specifically is on six attempts shooting 39% from three. So that's like a big – helps their offense that they can kind of utilize them off the ball. So I think that's kind of their, their base unit. Uh, and like I said, like it – we, we've seen this before down here in Miami with Tyler. Obviously, he's going to accept the role off the bench. They probably don't. He, he probably doesn't want it because he knows he's – I think he says before, I think Maxie said recently, like he knows he's a starter in this league. Like players like this, they know that on any other team they could be starting. But when you're trying to win, it, it comes down to the best combinations. It, come, it comes down to sacrifices, and it feels like that's what, what's needed, I guess, with this group and then kind of surging at this time. Let's talk about some of the matchups against other teams in the conference because ultimately they're going to have to see some of these groups as we go forward, okay? So let, let's start with the Celtics. Long rivalry there. Um, <laughs> I have not felt in the past that they've matched up particularly well, but I feel like if Harden is dynamic, it changes things, uh, especially if he's getting to the rim a little bit more. We, we have, you know, the Celtics have figured things out again. It's clear, but they're going through some injuries themselves. Smart just got injured over the weekend, we figure that won't be a long-term thing. Uh, if both of these teams don't make major changes at the deadline, they kind of come into the the. Uh, well, I expect the Celtics to make some kind of a move, maybe for a big or maybe one more wing uh, in a reserve role. But if they don't make major moves at the deadline, who would you favor in the series? And how, if if it's the Celtics, how could the Sixers win? Yeah, I definitely lean Celtics. I'm going to be honest. I, like before the season, I said the 76ers I thought would be a really good regular season team, but I still think that there's things that teams like the Celtics can throw at them to kind of throw them in a seven game series uh, out of their offense. Like it, there's a there's a strong base there. Like I said, like that Embiid Harden pick and roll is is an elite combo as it comes for two man game. But it feels like when when teams kind of try to cut that off 
And then there's an over-reliance on guys like Tobias Harris and others. And it feels like that's when the downfall of them in playoff series continue to happen. Uh, and specifically with this Celtics group, it feels like they have, and I know we talked about in the trade episode, maybe adding some front court depth and stuff, but they already have a ton of length to kind of throw at them. Like they have a couple guard perimeter defenders to throw at them. The Brogdons, the Marcus Smarts, uh, Jason Tatum becoming a better defender can be, kind of be utilized in different ways, probably on, on Tobias Harris, helping off kind of, uh, going down and kind of toward Embiid on, in the lane a little bit more. Like they can do different things defensively. And I know we've talked about their dynamic offense in the past, but that seems like I honestly really lean Celtics. How could the, the 76ers win? Can, I think the biggest thing is kind of shooting at the same level they are right now. Can they continue that? We've seen that. We talked about that uh, with Miami last year heading into the 76ers series. Uh, can you sustain hot shooting? Because we know in this league, shooting comes and goes. You never can tell and, and figure it out when it's going to kind of fall off. So if, there's, if their role pl- players are kind of shooting at this similar 38 39% level, there's a shot that they could, Embiid could be just dominant in that series and they're shooting well. And that, that's kind of the idea of, of kind of stopping them. I don't think it's going to be a defensive matchup in general because it feels like the, the Celtics are, are going to figure their own ways offensively on the perimeter. And it feels like the 76ers kind of have their base, like I said. So I definitely would lean Celtics in a, in a current playoff series, but uh, I feel like I'm a little biased because I've kind of, I, I'm, I don't have much trust in them going forward in the playoffs. If I could be honest, it feels like they're going to have to really figure out some, some chemistry continuity and just uh, consistency along the way. Well, don't the Nets have some of those same, as he's pivoted to the Nets, don't the Nets have some of those same uh, issues maybe with chemistry? I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. Kevin's out right now and when he gets back, that may change. It looked like Irving finally kind of fell into that number one role in the right way in the last game, but whether he can sustain it for a long period of time. But again, assuming that Durant is back, we've talked about the length of the Nets role players. Uh, the Nets went into Philadelphia, kind of embarrassed them last season when all that stuff with Simmons was going on. Feels like they have some kind of a mental edge over the Sixers. I'm going to talk more about the mental edge before we finish this because I think that is the biggest ed- the biggest issue with Philadelphia. But a Nets Sixers series, what would that look like? Yeah, that's definitely I feel much better about that matchup, to be honest, with for the 76ers than I do Boston. It feels like I know narrative-wise, everybody would be having a good time with that one. Like that is that is an ideal, like the, the NBA is rooting for them to find a way to match up in the playoffs. The Ben Simmons versus Sixers, the Harden versus the, the Kyrie and, and KD situations. So that would be a narrative series, but it would also be a really good X's and O's basketball series because it feels like there's not, as much as I favor the Celtics, like I, I feel like it could go either way in that type of series because they're perimeter play and creation. And I just mentioned the word consistency that I have kind of question marks with the Sixers. I have question marks about the about the consistency of the Nets. Like there, there's so much on the high level shot making of that group, uh, and like I just said, as much as I talked about the role players of the Sixers, same thing goes for the Nets. Like they have role players like Royce O'Neal and T.J. Warren and Seth Curry playing at a really high level right now. If they're consistently hitting from three and the role players are playing at that level, it all comes down to kind of hitting at the right time. So I, I feel like that's a much better matchup uh, in all kind of ways. But it's tough because. We talked about the Nets, the, the additions that they could make, and we talked about maybe adding like a little bit more of a traditional center or kind of a big in that way or versatile big. Uh, and Bede would kind of have his way, it feels like, in that series a lot of the time. So I feel like that would be a really dominant uh, showing for the Stars when it kind of got to that point. See, and I look at Cleveland uh, in an interesting way here with Philadelphia because they do have the bigs to match with Embiid. Um, and they also have a perimeter guy in Mitchell or two perimeter guys in Mitchell and Garland that they need to deal with. Other than experience, I don't really know where Philadelphia has huge edge edges 
over Cleveland or does Cleveland need, we talked about this on a recent episode about things that you need. Do they need one more wing to be able to match up with them? I just think they need one more wing in general to try to match up with anybody. I don't know if it's specifically the Sixers, uh, but the thing about this matchup is like, to your point, like they have the bigs to match up with Embiid. There's going to be so much on Harden to be a scorer. Like that's what it feels like because I call Cleveland like the Milwaukee light because I, they basically took their defensive coverages and just basically mirrored them and tried to do the exact same things. Harden, Maxi, it's going to be a lot of them to kind of hit those mid-ranges against that drop. Like Embiid's going to be Embiid even through all of the, the tough matchups. But it, we've had this conversation before and I feel like there's more trust this season compared to last season's. Harden's been aggressive, but they need it consistently in a series where he's got to show up and kind of hit those mid-range pull-ups that he's been so strong in, uh, and they're going to need him getting to the rim to kind of open up and beat. So that would kind of be my key to that specific series. But like you said, it feels like Cleveland still does need that extra piece, but that would that would also be a bit of a different series because even on the other end, like Mitchell going mm-hmm. against the beat in that drop as well, like he'd be able to kind of it feels like all it would be a lot of guard play focus in that series. Well, Miami beat them last year, and so you would figure that they would have the edge. P.J. Tucker has gone there. I don't know that that makes a dramatic difference in a series between the two of them. We know that Miami has not been the Miami of last season. They need a trade. I, I honestly will say this, and I, I know a lot of our five on the floor listeners won't like this. I would not like Miami in a series as currently constituted against Philadelphia. I just think, again, we – we forget sometimes that Embiid uh, couldn't play in all of the games in that series, that Harden was out of shape in that series. Now, there's no question that Spolstra outcoached Rivers, and I would anticipate that happens again in a playoff series, but I don't know that he would have the material right now to get past them. And as we talk about five on the floor and what we do on there, you know, there are very few teams when we look at the top of the Eastern Conference, we're like, okay, I feel comfortable with Miami in a series against them. I, I would not feel comfortable with Miami in a series against them. Unless they just crack emotionally. And that is that is really the thing with Philadelphia is you just don't know. I mean, until Embiid gets to the finals, there's always going to be the question if he can get to the finals. And I don't believe it's always been his fault. But I do think in many cases it has been James Harden's fault. And we've seen his numbers dip in the postseason. His three-point shooting traditionally dips in the postseason. Last year he wasn't even trying to get to the rim. This year he probably could. Uh, and he has more often of late. But we have to see how that mix all works together. So, I mean, I think if you look at it, a lot of the Sixers will come down to the matchup that they draw. I'm with you on Boston. Uh, Milwaukee, who they've now moved ahead of, I don't like their chances against the Bucks in a series if the Bucks are whole also, but we have to see the Bucks whole, and that hasn't happened much either. And I don't know that the Bucks are going to make a major addition at the deadline other than maybe a scorer off the bench, somebody like Clarkson along those lines that we've – uh, discussed. I want to look at the Sixers schedule as we go forward here because some of these games uh, are against teams that we're talking about, but you, you look, they play the Nets on Wednesday, um, so that's going to be a featured matchup, obviously. The Nets still will not have Durant back. They get the Nuggets at home. They get a couple against the Magic, uh, who are scuffling again, even though some of their young players are playing well. Then they're at the Spurs, at the Knicks, at the Celtics. I mean, this run could extend a little bit. I you know, I, I would expect anticipate they'd have a pretty good shot at home against the Nets without Durant, the Nuggets game would obviously be challenging, but we're going to get a lot of hype for that with Jokic versus Embiid. Um, if they can get those two, they get the Magic for a couple games. It could, could be nine. The Spurs could be ten. The Knicks have been inconsistent. So we're kind of getting ahead of this a little bit where it looks like they've got uh, some open runway for them. 
Let's close on them uh, here. And then I want to get into one other topic with you today. The, the Sixers most likely scenario in the postseason is what? Second round? Ooh, yeah, I would say second round. I feel like, to your point, we did, we kind of grazed over the Bucks, but I feel like I trust the Bucks more specifically. I feel like, obviously, there's a lot on, we always say this, but there's a lot on health because if Chris Middleton is healthy, I trust them a lot more. Uh, so I would say second round is kind of where I project them. I just, I, I don't have a lot of trust in the playoff scheming. Like you, you talked about Miami, and I would totally agree. And I think you mentioned five on the floor listeners. I feel like most people would agree that it's currently constructed. I think you'd take Philly right now just because of what they have going on. But there's still that moment of like Eric Spolstra and what he can do defensively against a team like Philly. And that's where I come back on it with a lot of teams. Like I feel like there's just a lot of things that teams can do defensively to kind of throw them off in a seven-game series when it's kind of counterpunching. Uh, so I do think it's in that that range of second round. Uh, but look, to your point, they they have a decent run here in them, like going overhead. Like they're literally 18 and four in their last 22 games. Like mm-hmm. that is that is something to like we cannot overlook. So as much as we can project forward to a playoff matchup, like they are surging in the regular season. If they can add an extra piece or if they can continue to be healthy and they can figure things out and kind of build this chemistry and build the, the, the lineup construction like with Maxi off the bench and find a rhythm, like they are going to be a tough out. Let's close here. I just we we've gotten into this so much with the division talk the other day that I did want to mention some of the teams at the bottom of the Western Conference before we close. The Suns have won three straight. The Timberwolves have won two straight. The Clippers have won a couple straight as we're speaking. The Lakers just beat Memphis, still without Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis coming back. Is there anybody in the West that caught your eye this week? Well, I would probably say the Blazers because it seems like they're kind of breaking down right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They just had, what was it? I think it was like a 20-something point lead against the Lakers last night where it looked like they were surging. The Lillards pulled up from half court after getting in an uh, altercation with Beverly, and then they break down. And that's what I feel like as a team where they're breaking down. They they were, look, they were, what were they, first in the Western Conference a few weeks ago? Like they're 13th mm-hmm. in the Western Conference right now. Like they are totally falling apart. And that's kind of the range you kind of expect them in that 12-13 range as you look at their, their roster right now. So I'd say that's a team that caught my eye. And I feel like uh, the Suns kind of creeping up slowly is an interesting thing as, as Devin Booker continues to you know potentially come back and, and be a force. They still need a major addition, it feels like, to kind of add to their team to make that push. But I feel like they're kind of stringing some wins together right now is a decent thing to see. All right, we will be back later in the week. Thanks for joining us here on the Step Back Podcast here on Fanside. And make sure to check out all of the other content on the website. And also for Miami Heat Talk, go to five on the floor. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.